are distinct moments I remember being so close with the seller to where we need to be to make a deal. 5,000 off. Uh-huh. You know, and I had to say, that's as high as I can go. I can't do it. If you can get down 5,000, we'll do the deal. And I got to drive off. And getting in the car and driving off is so hard because that mind is just like, they're going to call somebody else. That's still a pretty good deal. They're going to do it. You know, and, and you know, it, I, it was so hard to fight not turning around and going back and just giving in. Yep, you know, but yep. that's how you start making mistakes. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's huge. And that's going to happen. And I think even with like the mindset of whether you can get deals or not, right. You, you're going to experience what you believe. Yep. Right. So, if, and this is for experienced investors too. I've had moments of dry spells where, you know, I'm doing like, you know, like five deals in a month. And then the, like I get three months where I don't get a deal. And I'm like, dude, what's going on? I can't get deals anymore. People are offering too much. All my competitors are beating me because they're paying ridiculous amounts. When you start talking like that, thinking like that, that's all you're going to find, right? That's what you're going to experience. And you're right. It sounds like, you know, this hokey, just positive thing. But man, there's like so much truth in letting go of those thoughts and being, you know what? I'm going to get a deal this week. I know it. And just doing all the things you can do. And then, you know what happens? You end up three months dry spells over with. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show a podcast that discuss the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hello, We Love Equity Real Estate family. How are you guys today? I'm excited about today's episode. Today we have Danny Johnson. If you guys are unfamiliar with Danny Johnson, you must be hiding under a rock somewhere. Um, he is the creator of Flip Pilot. He has the podcast Flipping Junkie. Um, he's been doing things since 2003 in the real estate space. So if you are new to Danny Johnson, welcome. Thank you. You will have an earful of content on today. So Danny, welcome to the show, man. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. I'm really uh, happy to be here. All right. So Danny, uh, like I said, he's from San Antonio, Texas. He's a Texas boy. Uh, he's been doing fix and flips and all kind of stuff. You know, he has software, things like that, that we'll get into. But Danny, kind of take us back, man. I know you started in 2003. Take us back. How did you get started? For our, for our novice, our people that's just getting started, how did you get started? Who did you follow? Kind of take us down that, that track. Yeah, sure, Marcus. Uh, so first, I, I just want to say, I think it's, it's kind of funny because we were talking right before this and saying, you know, I, I asked you about a recent deal you did and you knew that I had been out of the game for a couple of years, you know, as I was focused on the software and, you know, my, my, my wife was running the flipping business. 
And so you, so just, you know, I don't want to go too far back into the archives. Okay. Okay. Good, good, good. <laughs> so I thought that was funny, but anyway, so, but yeah, I'm getting back into the business. So uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun to talk about that because getting started again, yep. you know, after being out for a couple of years and so many things have changed, I think it's, it's a cool thing to, uh, to be back in that position with the experience that I've had before. You know, it's been, it's been pretty fun. It's, it's been interesting dealing with different fears but still dealing with some fears, you know, that, that, so people listening out there, I think we'll get a lot from it, but, but getting started the first time, you know, back in 2003, uh, I think my father had some tapes in the garage from, uh, and it may have been like Lonnie deals or something like that. Okay. You know, I think it was like the mobile home deals or some sort yeah, of. Yeah. Yeah. Now those are archives, Danny, <laughs> 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 yeah. but you know what? That that information that was taught then is still relevant, you know, somewhat relevant today, you know. So that's kind of one thing that I tell people is that, hey, you can find an old Ron LeGrand or an old, you know, cassette tape, you know, yeah. from, from back in the 80s. Some of the things are still relevant, you know, today. Yeah, marketing strategies may be a little bit different, but putting right. these deals under contract and talking with sellers, not too much have changed. Right. No, I agree completely. And, and really the, you know, what most of it boils down to is buy low, right? I mean, yep. you know, that if you do that, that one simple thing, like you, you're going to have several different ways you can exit a deal, all that kind of stuff. But, but anyway, uh, yeah. So I didn't really get into that from that. That kind of scared me actually watching those. I was like, this guy's doing cold calling all this stuff. I was like, that's not for me. I can't, I can't, you know, he was trying to put together all these super creative deals. I was like, I just got confused. Gotcha, you know, gotcha. I just like things a lot more simple. And so I didn't do anything for, for about a year, but then I started looking for a home for myself. So I was, I was looking for a HUD home, you know, because they, they allow you to, to a lot of them, you can, you know, buy the house before investors have a chance to, because yep. you're going to live in it. So I got a great deal. It took me like nine months though, but I found a great deal and that became my first deal. And uh, while I was doing that one, I was listening to a bunch of Ronald Grand stuff. Man, I just love his stuff. It was just so good. And he's still teaching today. He is, um, he is. But, but it's just like, you know, super, super great stuff. And I still hear his voice sometimes in some of the stuff that I'm doing. You know, it's like, uh-huh. you know, if you, something about like, if you know, never pay mayo. Never pay mayo. And I find myself all the time wanting to go over mayo. And I'm just like, uh-huh. I hear never pay it, man. Don't pay mayo. <laughs> And then I got so, so tell us, tell us for those who don't know what's Mayo, so they understand kind of where yeah. we're coming from. So Mayo is maximum allowable offer. Yeah. So you determine beforehand, before you get to an appointment, you know, for a seller, pretty much what your maximum allowable offer is going to be based on, you know, what you can sell it for. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, the unknown is how much it's going to cost to fix it up. Yep. But you should already have everything but that. And so once you're there at the house, you figure that out and you put that into the calculation and then you've got your maximum offer. You should never go over that because it can be tempting and it is really it tempting. Is. When you're looking for that. You don't have a deal for a while. You start messing with the numbers. And, yep. and as I've been getting back into this, I find myself doing it. So well, what if I went to 80% instead of 70%, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yep, yep. So, so let's talk about that, Dan. Um, starting back over. You know, because you're a seasoned investor, you stopped, took a hiatus because you're a software developer and you developed great software for us real estate investors. 
what are some of those fears now that you're starting over that you have to get over that you know you faced probably back in 2003 or didn't face in 2003 because i know that's one of the main things that people starting have is the fear of the unknown or the fear of what if i get a property under contract and i get the numbers wrong what if i what if i you know underestimate the rehab costs what if i can't find the end buyer what if what if what if yeah yeah so all of that is is not there as much because i i have been through through it but the fears that come up now are more of you know the the ability to 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 put it under contract you know it's it's like am i am i gonna and i guess more of what the fear is is you know i plan on, on documenting a lot of this you know just like i did back then with with flipping junkie where i was documenting everything i was doing for for what was it 34 weeks yep. in the business i documented every lead that came in so i plan on kind of doing that again you know a little bit maybe not every single lead but you know, it's like, what if I, I, I'm experienced, I get out there and say, I'm going to do this and start going again. I start talking about it and showing everybody doing Facebook lives and all that stuff. And I don't get a deal. Gotcha. You know, th gotcha. that fear of not getting a deal and it's there. It's like crazy, you know, cause I've done hundreds of deals. So why would I even think I wouldn't get a deal? But the fear is there. Yep. You know, and I, you know, and it's weird remembering what that felt like back then too. Is like you have that fear that you're not going to, even after you get a deal, two deals, three deals, the fear is that you're going to stop being able to get them. Right. Yeah. When you got to move to full time, you know, that like, oh man, like what if things change? And that's, that's one of the biggest things. I was actually um, reading a book this morning and it's the power of positive thinking by, I think it's Norman Vincent Peale. If, if I can remember. Um, but that's one of the things is our brains are automatically set to default to the negative. You know, what if the negative happens? What if the negative happens? And we have to reprogram our thoughts to, you know, a, a positive. You know, I'll give you an example. We're working on a deal right now. We got the, made the offer to the seller, sent over the contract and everything like that. And the seller flat out told us, you know, this is, this is a trying situation. It's a trying time. It's going to be, just bear with me, be patient with me. But me in my head, it's like, okay, we sent the contract a week ago. We talked to the seller, you know, maybe once since then, you know, I think they're going to go with another offer. I think they're going to do this, you know? And it's like, they already told us, you know, give us some time, but our brains are automatically programmed to think to neg the negative and that's one of the things that i was going through this morning i was like okay stop thinking negative you know and start thinking about the positive you know hey maybe you know the, the family member passed away maybe they're getting funeral arrangements together maybe they doing you know this or maybe they're trying to box up the house and everything like that but immediately i'm thinking okay well somebody else is going to get the deal do I need to raise my number? Do I need to go over my MAO? You know, <laughs> you know, all of those things. And that's why I tell people, you know, those fears will come up. And it's great that me and you're talking about it because you've been doing this since 2003 and some of those fears still bubble up and rise up to the top. Yeah, exactly like you said too. There, there are distinct moments. I remember being so close with the seller to where we need to be to make a deal. 5,000 off, uh -huh. you know, and I had to say, that's as high as I can go. I can't do it. If you can get down 5,000, we'll do the deal. 
and I got to drive off. And getting in the car and driving off is so hard because their mind is just like, they're going to call somebody else. That's still a pretty good deal. They're going to do it. You know, and, and you know, it, it, it was so hard to fight and not turning around and going back and just giving in. Yep. You know, but that's how you start making mistakes. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's huge. And that's going to happen. And I think even with like the mindset of whether you can get deals or not, right. You, you're going to experience what you believe. Yep. Right. So, if, and this is for experienced investors too. I've had moments of dry spells where, you know, I'm doing like, you know, like five deals in a month. And then the, like, I get three months where I don't get a deal. And I'm like, dude, what's going on? I can't get deals anymore. People are offering too much. All my competitors are beating me because they're paying ridiculous amounts. When you start talking like that, thinking like that, that's all you're going to find, right? That's what you're going to experience. And you're right. It sounds like, you know, this hokey, just positive thing. But man, there's like so much truth in letting go of those thoughts and being, you know what? I'm going to get a deal this week. I know it. And just doing all the things you can do. And then, you know, what happens? You end up three months dry spells over with. Yep, yep. Something happens. And then you get, you know... You make that money and then everything, then you're back to being upbeat and being positive. But that stinking thinking, man, can really, really crush you. And that's that's one of the things that I tell people starting out is that you can't give in, you know, to those negative thoughts. Those negative thoughts will crush you, will leave you on the sideline to where you start making excuses, you know, and excuses are not good because then you're like, well, like you said, well, my competitors are paying too much. You know, maybe my marketing isn't working. Maybe I need to switch this or tweak that. You know, we all know that there's there's little variables that can make things change the needle, you know, just a little bit. But that that negative thinking will definitely keep you in that frame of mind where you won't get that deal for yeah. five, six months. Well, because you're burning energy in the wrong direction. Right? If you if you turn around and said, I'm not gonna think like that instead, I'm just gonna sit here and I'm gonna think, what can I do? To, to do more marketing or what can I do? You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just yep. like work in some other direction. Cause I think in the times in the past when I've gotten into those places where I was thinking like that, and a lot of times I didn't even realize I was doing it. Yep. I'm yep. not even paying attention. And then one day I'll be like, Oh man, what, what have I been doing? But I think some of the, some of that is just laziness, right? Like it gets to be this, this cop out laziness thing where if I believe that, then it, I'm off the hook. Yep. Yep. You know, it's not my fault. Something else outside of me is what's what's affecting all this stuff. And and to just own up and be like, you know, I'm still, you know, what worked yesterday might not work today. I've got to stay on top. I got to keep going. And uh, yeah, so it's huge. Yeah, you got you got to use that ingenuity. Um, so guys, just just kind of sharing with Danny. You know, let's just say for example, for example, you're in San Antonio. I'm in Phoenix. Um, both markets are very, very competitive. Both markets are very, very high. So what we were doing two years ago, three years ago, as far as crushing it and killing it with direct mail is not necessarily working today. So how do you pivot and know when it's time to change? So this is one thing that I want to challenge you on, Danny, is when you're, when you're documenting you know, what you're going through as restarting as a real estate investor, documenting those thoughts of when it's time to pivot or when it's time mm. to change, you know, how are you feeling during those times? Because the, the psyche and psychologically plays a lot with how quick you move. You know, it goes back to that 
analysis paralysis. And what I tell people is that, yeah, you can analyze it, but once you start overanalyzing it, that's, that's dropping into that fear bucket. You're overanalyzing it because you're scared, you yeah. know, to pull the trigger. Either you're going to say, yes, I'm going to do it or no, I'm not. Well, and I think, you know, and I think that's the biggest difference. Like I've matured emotionally, mentally, you know, since way back then and, uh, you know, much more aware of everything that I'm doing and why I'm doing it and all that kind of stuff. And so I think, you know, from when I did Flipping Houses Exposed back around 2010 to doing it again now, but in a different way, you know, I feel like I'm going to be a lot more honest about what I'm going through, you know, and just like, man, I'm struggling with just like, you know, doing this or I'm having a hard time with with my contractors and, you know, all that kind of stuff, but just, you know, like talking through some of the challenges and struggles of the fear thing. Cause yeah, your point there is huge because yeah, here's so many people talking about why well, I don't have a source of money for a deal. Yep. I don't have money, so I can't do a deal. I can't do marketing cause how am I going to buy it? I don't know enough about real estate to go in and, and talk to a motivated seller. I don't know. I don't know all this stuff. And, and, and it's like you said, it's not the problem. That's all surface level stuff. And I, my good friend, Don Costa, I think you're friends with him too. Yep. You know, we had talked about this recently. It's like most of the things that people are struggling with is surface level. And it's not really the problem. The problem is underneath. It's the fear, you know, and that's just the thing to label it because you don't want to, and we don't, none of us want to like say we're afraid. Right. Yep. Yep. You know, but we got to accept that we all, all are afraid. Even the most experienced investor, you know, he's got big problems. She's got big problems that they're, they're scared of too. They're not maybe putting it out there because who wants to do that, right? Yep. But, you know, it's all there. And it's really how we're, we're accepting the fact that it's there and then deciding to work through it and say, what's really at the core of this? Because if I use that out there that I don't have money, I'm not working to try to find a solution to that because I still got that fear there. Yeah. One, one thing that I've learned, Danny, is that um, when you immediately say, okay, well, this is my fear. This is something that I can't get over or it's a roadblock. Immediately, your brain starts to shut, shut off and starts shutting down. And you're not thinking creatively about, okay, well, I don't have any money. And I'll, and I'll use this as an example. I had a deal recently actually it was in november sweet deal i didn't even know how sweet it was until i physically went and visited the seller i had been talking with this lady and we had made an offer on a property and the property was arv was like 175 made the offer at like fifty thousand dollars and she was like well my property is in really good condition so on and so forth and I, and I share this story because I always tell people, you know, I, it was just amazing how it happened. And I told her, you know, your property is in that good of a condition. Why don't you just list it with the realtor? You know, because my offer is going to be significantly below market value, you know, and I'm not here to try and steal your property. I'm trying to help, you know, homeowners that's in some sort of distress. Well, I left it at that. Three months later, she gave me a call and she was like, well, you know what? Things have, have kind of changed. I really don't want to work with the realtor. I just want to sell it to you. You know, and I told her and I reiterated, I said, well, my price hasn't changed. You know, if anything's three months later, it probably went down a little bit. You know, I said, well, let, let me just come by and take a look at the property. Went and looked at the property, Danny. It was so clean. I could lick the floors, honestly. 
you know, needed some minor updates, but so clean, so meticulous. She kept everything, you know, really, really clean to where she, we signed a contract and I immediately hoteled it. I put it right back on the market mm-hmm. for 150. So got it under contract for 50, put it right back on the market for 150. The only thing I had to do was update the electrical because we had a buyer that came in and they did the inspection and noticed that there was some faulty things with the electrical. So we put 5,500 into the electrical and we sold that property for one, 149 nice. the final price, you know, yeah. but I couldn't, what, where I was going with this was I didn't have the, the, I didn't have the money at the time to take the property down. You know, so I was talking with my attorney, lo and behold, I said, hey, man, I got this deal. You know, I know I can wholesale it and make, you know, $30,000 easy, but I'm like, it's so clean. You know, mm-hmm. we can, I can make, you know, nearly a hundred grand. And he was like, well, send the pictures over to me. You know, he's, he's the attorney that does all of the, de- we do all of the deals with. Just send the pictures over to me. I sent the pictures over to him. He was like, look, I've been doing deals with you for so long x amount of time i'll fund the deal yeah you know so it's it's things like that that i tell people is that you know when you get out there and just take the action things will start to materialize and will start to come to you to where i didn't have you know the 50 grand just sitting aside at the time you know and i yeah i could have went and did a hard money loan and everything like that but he came to me and was like Hey, I'll, I'll fund it for you. So now yeah. I have a private lender, private capital, right there in my own team that I knew nothing about. Yeah, it's it's a perfect example here, right? Because if, and I only know this because my mind is doing it. You say that, and I can imagine because my mind is saying it. Well, well, you that was your situation. You had this smoking deal, and an attorney you've been working with. I don't have that, so. It's, it's the same thing. So if, if you're listening to this and that kind of stuff is going through your mind, that's the stuff that you got to pay attention to and get out. Just ignore yeah. and say that's not true because that is the excuse to not put the marketing, put your phone number out there saying you buy houses because what do you do if you get that call? You know, if you get a call, you know, I just, that getting started again and, and thinking through whenever I got started, I was so scared of putting my phone number out there. I put the bandit signs out. And I felt so weird because my phone number was up on poles around the town. You know, it was yep. freaking weird. Yep. <laughs> you know, and I didn't know what the hell I was doing either. So you get the call. And I looked at those first ones, though, as, you know, I went into them thinking, there's no way I'm going to be able to buy this. I don't know what I'm doing. But this is, this is practice. Yep. You know, so I took all the pressure off myself. I just said, I'm going to go. I'm not going to think through anything other than I'm just going and I'm going to see what it's like. I'm going to find out what I don't know. You know, when they ask me something, I don't know what I'm going to tell them. I don't know. I'll find out and I'll get back to you. But I'm going to know next time. Yep. You know, and that took a lot of the pressure off. So, yeah, anyway. And that's, that's the, those are some key things that you said. And that's kind of how I went into it, too. Um, it was just get out there and do it. So what? You know, I learned from, I, I, I spoke with Jay Massey uh, about a month ago. And he told me, he said something that was very key. I never thought about it, you know, until he brought it up. You know, he was saying um, that 
pride and fear was too expensive at the time. You know, when you're, when you're starting out and you have literally nothing, yeah, you can be prideful and you can be, um, you can be fearful, but what's more, what's more expensive, you know, that pride and that fear or really learning, you know? So what he was saying was, is that at the time, pride and fear was too expensive. I had to just pay it forward and make the mistakes and do whatever I had to do in order to, to get through it. And he pushed through it, you know? So that's kind of what you're saying, Danny. And that's what I want the listeners to hear is that when you're in that position where it's like, okay, it's do or die. I need to either do this, you know, or get off the pot and, and go and just get a job. You come to that point where you're at that, you're at that fork in a row. You either got to do it or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I don't know. It's, it feels kind of weird saying this because I don't say it that much publicly, but you know, over the last year, like I've been doing a lot of stuff with Buddhism and, and I think it's just amazing because it makes you really aware of what's going on. And most mm-hmm. of us are walking around ignoring what's, what we're feeling, what's going on. And so it's really cool to do it. But the thing, it's like the antidote to a lot of this, right? A lot of the, the antidote to a lot of this stuff with fear is curiosity. Yep. Right. If you look at it in a curious way, like, like, you know, like a child does, you know, they don't got, they don't got fear and, and something happens to them. They trip and get hurt. They cry for a second and then they're up playing like nothing happened. Yep. Right. Yep. If we can be like that, we can be resilient like that where, you know, just like I'm facing that fear, but you know what? I'm really curious as to like, what would happen if I put my number out there? What, like, I wonder if someone would call and then let, let's just find out like who, who cares what's going to happen. I don't need to, try to imagine and, and prepare for everything yep. let's just let things unfold right and so put put the numbers out there put you know put those bandit signs up if if you can in your locality if you have to get permanent or whatever. but yeah yeah and that's that's i mean that's that's very true and it's very key i mean like i said you're you're i didn't even expect this conversation to go down this road but it's great that it is because we have listeners here that's that's dealing with this and they're in a conversation with two experienced investors and then one that's starting over that's going to be rebranding going to be redoing everything starting back over and sometime those fears are still there you know like i tell people still when i pick up the phone and i'm going to make a call sometimes i still get oh boy what if this seller you know don't take don't accept my offer so on and so forth but you have to get over that guys and you have to uh just push through and go forward so danny kind of switching gears what are you thinking you know going into this restarting as a real estate investor what are you thinking as far as your marketing what marketing approach are you looking to use i know you're you're a tech guy so yeah so definitely online stuff right like i'm, I'm building that back up it takes it's a process it doesn't yeah. happen overnight so i've been i've been working on that we'll continue to work on that that's a long-term play uh the the immediate stuff though is more of uh, of, of putting in the work that other investors aren't willing to put in and, and that's the driving for dollars time of stuff skip tracing calling you know, that kind of stuff. And I'm also, I'm focused this time around on long-term stuff. So I'm looking at rentals. I'm, I'm looking at possibly doing owner financing stuff. So I'm looking at a specific part of town, parts of town, because I want those properties that are on the lower price side, but have pretty decent rental uh, rates. Okay. 
and stuff like that. So, so that's the focus. So, so the marketing is more right now of, of driving for dollars. I'm, I'm uh, doing MLS stuff. And, and all of this hinges also on follow-up, right? Because I, that's the big difference between what I'm doing now and what I did back then when I was documenting everything back in 2010. And because, you know, I, I bring this up and if anybody listened to my podcast, they probably heard me say this recently, but I did the 34 weeks, right? Where I showed what I was doing marketing once. I had, yep. I had billboards, I think. I had yellow page ad. I had all kinds of stuff. Some people don't do anymore. I generated 495 leads during those weeks that I documented and put up there on my website, right? And I showed, I, I did all these, got 495 leads. Guess how many deals I did out of that? How I think it was like days? 11 or 13. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> it's still 34 weeks doing 11 deals. It's still, you know, you can live a decent lifestyle that way, but that sucks, man. That's like, that's and what, what's the, what was the difference? Like how did that change over the years and maturing in the business? And I think a lot of it is the follow-up, right? It's the sales, you know, doing sales training kind of stuff for acquisitions yep. and follow-up. You know, what I was doing back then, I was so busy on not a deal, throw it away, throw away that lead, forget it, give me another one. What can I do to get more in? What can I do to get more in? I'm filling this huge funnel and always focused on that. But I wasn't doing anything once they came into my funnel. It was like either yes or no, and it's off or in. You know, yep. and only 11 or 13 of them were in, right? So, like, what happened if I'd followed up consistently with all of those? You know, and, and as time progressed in the business, you know, we got to a point where I think there was times where we were doing, like, one out of five leads was a deal. Wow. You know, and so, you know, That's 495, if I turned even one out of 10 of those, yep. you know, you're talking, like, what, 40, 49 deals. And, and, and that's... That's what you key, what you said, uh, Danny, there is the follow-up is very important. You know, people hear, you know, all of these investors say, hey, you know what? The fruit is in the follow-up. You know, you got to follow up, got to follow up. But honestly, a lot of people just don't, you know, and it's because they're looking for that next win. You know, mm -hmm. each deal is, you know, uh, a congratulations you won, you know, let's move on to the next deal. And not everybody, you know, gets that. So everybody is constantly looking for that next win, but you're constantly throwing out deals that could be your win, maybe six months down the road, maybe eight months down the road. Maybe you know, four years. I'm a, yeah, maybe two years. I'm a victim of that, you know, and because it's like, okay, well, she said, keep calling, keep calling, keep calling. And I'm calling and calling is the same old story, same old story, same old story. And I think um, I was listening to your podcast and you had a guest on there where he made, I think, 55 grand from a deal where he was about to pitch it, throw it away, leave it alone. And it came back around. So, you know, that, that follow-up is very important. Yeah. And, 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 and going along with what I was talking about with being aware of what we're doing and why we're doing it. Why is that, that people aren't consistent? And what I found for myself was, you know, with follow-up, why not, not consistent follow-up? Because I, I tend to make a ton of assumptions. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, they, they were like, they hated that offer. They wanted to yell at me. They wanted to kick me out of that house. You know, I'm not going to follow up with them. I don't want to make them even more mad. But what kind of assumption is that? That's a, that's, I don't know what the hell they're thinking. 
Yep. Right? Yep. I can assume I know what they're thinking, but nobody knows what anybody else is thinking. And time changes people's circumstances. So drop the assumptions, right? Don't even let your mind think of anything. Either they accept your offer or they don't. They're going in follow-up, right? If you follow up and then they're telling you, hey, F off, get out of here. <laughs> You're like, yeah, you know, you that's know. <laughs> it. Stop calling. But, but, uh, but otherwise, yeah, why not? Like, you know, follow up and see what happens. Because time changes people. Just like in your, your story earlier of the, you know, not having the money to take down that deal. That was, that was a follow-up. She followed up with you. I don't know if you're following up with her, but, but that was a couple months later, right? Home run deal. Home run deal. Had there not been any follow-up from either of you, it might have not been done. It wouldn't have been done, and the property still would have been sitting there. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's that, that stinking thinking, you know, when it comes back to the follow-up. Well, no, I don't want to call this person. You know, they're, they're, gonna, they're already mad. You know, but like you said, if they don't say, you know, stop freaking calling me, then you keep calling them. You know, you may text them. You may just leave a voice message, something like that. But you got to continue to follow up. But one thing I do want to applaud you, Danny, is just being humble enough and being willing to be exposed enough to say, you know, yeah, 2003 all the way up to, you know, 2012 I was doing all of these deals I was doing everything and I stopped and now I'm starting over you know not many investors are willing to say you know I got to start over because they look at it as some sort of failure um I, just kind of walk us through what you're thinking yeah and actually that was like over. yeah I hadn't been involved since maybe 2017 so we had started growing the company, my, my now ex-wife and I you know, had started that company and, and built that company up and, and we got a team together so that I would be able to be removed from it so I could focus on software and then she could just focus on that. And so that was why I had moved away from, so I could just focus all into the software. But I still felt like, you know, my identity was good. Like that was my identity was wrapped up in real estate investor, right? And now all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's not. It was weird. It didn't feel good. Right. And then going through the, the, the divorce over the last year, which, you know, I did a podcast about, but, you know, I realized it was like splitting up assets, but it's like, man, like most of the wealth here is from, you know, long-term properties, you know, it's like yeah. stuff like that. So that's what, that's what I'm doing now, you know? So it's like, man, this is crazy. Had I kept doing that, you know, collecting rental properties and stuff like that, like, well, you know, how much different could things be? And yep. so it's like, well, why, why not do it again? Why not go back in and, uh, and, and start doing more of that? So that's what I'm doing. Yeah. So I'm excited about it. Good, good. So, so what's your goal with the rental properties? You know, is there a certain target you're trying to hit? You know, is it a certain passive income number or is it a certain number of properties? Kind of what's, what's that goal? Yeah, and I'm going to be sharing that too uh, and, and mapping out because it's, I want to show like what, what's the process here? What's the thinking? And you're right. That's where it starts. It's not just one guy. I want to buy rental property. It, it's, yeah. You know, what's what's the goal? Because that, that that could take two years. You're not really trying to hit anything. So you can't you can't reverse engineer. I want to buy rental properties. You can reverse engineer, just like you said. What's the goal? Is it passive income level? And I wrote it down, and I'm finalizing what that means. But I think it's ten thousand a month. Okay. Okay. In 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 rental income that I'm looking to pick up. 
And, and so I'm going to reverse engineer that and say, how many properties at, at average rent in these places I'm looking, is that going to take? Okay. And then how many leads is it going to take me typically to get each one of those properties? Yep. And then I got a number of leads that I need to get to get to the 10,000 a month. Right. And then, then it's a focus of getting that many leads. And so all the numbers I use, the, 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 the estimates I make as far as number of deals per lead that I get, you know, or, or leads to make a deal, you know, are going to start out not so good, right? Maybe yep. one in, in 10 leads, one in 15, because I'm rusty, right? Right. But I'm going to set those, those benchmarks up and I'm going to measure, right? And then I'm going to say, okay, I, I'm getting enough leads in. This is what I wasn't doing that time before, right? When it was yeah. documented, it was just more leads. Now it's, okay, I'm, I'm getting the right amount of leads in. I need to shore up the deal putting together part, you know, or look at and say, okay, well, these are just like dead from the beginning, dead on, a, on, dead on arrival deals because the, there's no equity or whatever. Yep. Change up some of that marketing. But I'm going to find the places, okay? So if I'm putting on a contract, but something's happening, you know, I know where in my business I need to focus, not just always on the front end because my back end's so messed up and I don't even realize it because I'm not looking at it. So it's like, you know, who is it? Uh, Greg Dickerson, you know, good friend, De Greg Dickerson would always say, you know, what's not measured can't be managed. That's true. If you're not measuring it, you cannot manage it. You have, and, and this is like, I think when I was beginning, I think I heard some of this stuff but I felt like it was, it was not, not necessary, right? Like I was, was like, that? well, the volume's not there to do that. Yeah. No, 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 no. You know, the volume's not there. It's a perfect time to be doing that. Yep. You know, because if, if you're not looking at that stuff from the get-go, when you're only doing, if you're only, like, when, when we're starting, right, we've barely got any leads coming in. That's the time where we've got to sit there and, and, and make sure we're doing follow-up because we don't have that many leads yep, yep. and we got to make sure that the other stuff is, is good. So just starting from the get go, building that habit of measuring, starting from what is my goal? What am I trying to accomplish? That's realistic. You know, over the year getting like 10 or 11 properties or a year and a half or whatever it is. And then working your way down saying, okay, well, that's how many I'm going to do in a year. So this quarter, if I'm trying to do 10 in the year, this, this quarter, maybe two, right? Yep. I'm going to try to put, I'm going to try to bring down two, get two properties and, and, uh, and then just focus on that. That way I'm not overwhelmed. And, uh, you know, if I, if I say I want to get five the first month, you know, first couple of weeks, yeah. I'm going to stop looking at it because it's ridiculous. So there's just like no way. And, that, and that's knowing those KPIs, man, those key performance indicators that you have to study, track, measure, and know. And we have it built in our system where we review those KPIs weekly. So we know, okay, how many leads came in out of those leads? How many deals did we get? You know, that way, instead of waiting until the end of the year and looking back and say, okay, well, what did we do? You know, <laughs> well, by that time, you know, it's, it's, it's too late, you know, so we track this stuff weekly and we have a meeting to look at, okay, well, this is our goal for the year. This is what we're trying to accomplish each month or each week. We need to have this completed in order to reach that overall goal. And that's exactly what you're looking at. You know, mm -hmm. so if it's 
10,000 a month in passive income and each rental property, you know, generates or nets a thousand bucks, then you know, I need 10 rentals in order to reach that goal. Well, how much time do I have? Am I giving myself two years, five years, three years? You know, if I'm giving myself two years, then I know, okay, I need to do X amount of properties, you know, five properties each year. So that may be one property every other month in order to hit that $10,000 uh, net goal at the end of those two years. So guys, this is something that, like Danny said, everyone should be doing, especially when you're just getting started because you're working with small numbers so you can really track and really see it. Don't wait until you have this massive conglomerate and then you want to look back and see how you're doing. Because if you're doing that, you're probably not going to ever get that massive, you know, business model and everything like that. And yeah, you so, find yourself 495 leads and only 10, 11, 13 deals. Deals, yep. Yeah, that's, that's the problem with that. You know, and, and also I think, you know, what I found whenever I'm not doing that kind of weekly health check, you know, my days end up being me putting out fires and being reactive to whatever comes up during the week because I'm not even you know, planning out what I'm trying to accomplish, right? With those goals, you look at the quarter, then you look at the month and you look at the week. It seems like a lot of work, but it's not, right? But then we're, we're looking at, okay, but this week, if I make sure that I've, at, what I need to do is get more leads right now. So the massive chunk of my week is going to be spent focused on that. I'm not going to worry about this company setup I got to do or whatever. Like I need to get the marketing out there so that can come in. And then when I get that done, I can go and work on setting up my company or whatever, you know, that I need to do or, or whatever the busy work yep. you've got, you know. And, um, you know, one of the cool things about all of this, too, is that, um, you know, it's like seeing exactly as an active real estate investor what I need when situations come up is making a big difference in what we're doing with the software. You know, because I'm like, I find these, these moments where I'm like, man, I wish I could do this. Mm -hmm. You know, that I would have never imagined had I not been experienced that myself. Like, you know, I got, you know, all this kind of stuff happening. And so right now in like Flippilot, we're building out that KPI stuff. So I don't have to figure out the number and put it in somewhere in a spreadsheet. It's real time. It just shows me. I just log in. I can see. Yep. Okay. And then what, like per campaign even, like per marketing campaign. And just, I can see my numbers. I can see my KPIs week over week, see what the trend is and, and know what needs to be tweaked. Absolutely. And that's what, I mean, guys, there, there's a good book and I'll mention it is um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And basically what you said there, um, Danny, is first things first. You know, you got to focus, focus on the first thing first. And what we tend to do is say, okay, well, we got this massive goal over here of 50, you know, 10,000, you know, past $10,000 a month passive income, you know, we're focused on that $10,000 passive income, but we're not focused on, you know, these little things that need to be done that leads up to that. So guys, you know, stay focused on the little things, critique the little things, um, watch the little things. And those things will mount up to, to become big things. So um, real quick, Danny, we're going to take a break and hear a word from our sponsors. But when we come back, I want to talk and touch on your software, talk about Flip Pilot, 
um, and then we'll go into our hot seat questions. So real quick, we'll be right back. We'll hear a word from our sponsors. PropString is the industry's number one tool for locating distressed properties and connecting with highly motivated sellers with 100% coverage across the U.S. PropString provides a deep dive into any property-specific details, making it easy to generate lists of distressed properties and contact to the owners. No other product or service can compare. Gain access to MLS property details like expired listings. You can pull accurate comps, even sell prices in non-disclosure states. This information is typically reserved for licensed real estate professionals, but is also available to you in PropStream. Gain access to unlimited nationwide property search, comparable home sales, targeted marketing lists, and owner contact lookup, built-in marketing tools, hundreds of filters to search and sort leads. Start your free seven-day trial now by going to crowd.propstreampro.com slash we love it. Okay, guys, I have Danny Johnson uh, from San Antonio here. He is an active real estate investor. And the good thing about it is he is restarting his business. So you are in on a conversation of a real estate investor that stopped, focused on something else, but now is reigniting and refiring up that engine to go back into real estate investing. So there's key things that Danny has talked about, you know, that will help you if you've never done a deal, if you've never got started, you know, and speaking in terms of marketing, mindset, framework, business structure. So Danny, um, now that we know you're back to doing deals, tell me about this platform that you have and share with us, you know, Flip Pilot as far as how you're monitoring your deal flow and structuring this, you know, CRM. Yeah, so Flip Pilot, you know, as a way to, to make sure that this time around, I don't have 495 leads in 11 or so deals, right? It's, it's to, to know where everything's at all the time, make sure no leads slip through the cracks. Because what it does is it shows me at a glance, you know, if you ever use Trello or, or PipeDrive mm-hmm. or anything like that, where you got the columns and you have cards and you can drag them along into each column, yep. that maps out your workflow. So you got a new lead that comes in, and we got it set up to integrate with CallRail. So anytime I get a new call, I know which marketing campaign it was because it came in through that phone number. And that record automatically gets created inside a FlipPilot for me. And so that, that won't ever slip through the crack. I get notifications about it. And then I, I get in touch with them right away, right, if I didn't answer the phone or whatever. And, uh, and I track the progress of that, right? So I know that I've made contact with them. Here's what happened. They're either going to go into follow-up which is gonna automatically follow up for me so that I don't have okay. to manually do that all the time so I can keep working on other stuff. And then if they reach back out from follow-up, they come back into my active pipeline and I work lead again, right? And so that's like, that, that's the missing piece, right? There's the, if you have a machine where like a leaky bucket, you know, that's like letting all those fall out instead of keeping them in there because you know, you never know, like we said, motivation time has a way of motivating people yep right so maybe not motivated right now but let this software do that checking in with them periodically for you and then when they're ready like it'll let you know and then you can you can when they respond to one of your text messages that go out or or emails that automatically go out then you can respond and then work with them so and i'm also looking at the tool as a way 
for new investors to to help them get the first deal right because like we just talked about you know a lot of if you're not getting that many leads this is like something that you've got to do is, is have a system that's going to keep you where you can keep continuously work on the few that you did get yeah. right follow up with them and, and try to get those and uh, and find ways to be creative with uh, like wholesalers maybe put them in an automated follow-up to reach out to those wholesalers with the automated follow-up that like sends a text to them maybe every two weeks or something. Hey, you got any deals coming up? Yep. Right. You know, see if, see if something that they haven't even put out yet and then you can be, you know, there to do that kind of thing. So just, just different ways to, to maximize that. We created a free account, you know, for people to be able to make use of the system. You know, it's not just a limited time. They can just get a free account. You don't get some of the integrations and stuff like that, but um, yeah, it's awesome. So you okay. know, people can get it for free. Well, I'll make sure I have that in the show notes down below, guys. So if you want to mm-hmm. go in and try out um, Flip Pilot uh, as a CRM, again, you have to have something to track track your leads. When I first got started, you know, I had this. You know, you write everything down on you know a yellow. Um, yellow pad i would have sticky notes everywhere and i'd be like well where is this i remember talking to this person you know so that way you can have some sort of system that you can use to monitor and track all of your deals and not only the deals but just your follow-ups and everything like that so sounds good you know and i know danny you're a software developer man you've been creating some 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 great things for us real estate investors i want to thank you you know, for that. And this sounds like another product that would definitely help real estate investors move further and faster along that journey. So I want to now put you, Danny, on the hot seat, man. This is our hot seat section. You know, I'm going to give you these questions. You answer them as quick as you can, man. Um, So starting out, Danny. I'm totally not prepared for these. (laughs) (laughs) So this will be interesting. All right. It's okay. It's okay. Starting out, man. Um, you're starting over. So actually you have the insight on this, uh, starting over. What would you do differently? Yeah. What I do differently is just make sure that, you know, I have a system in place to maximize how many of the, the deals I can make out of the leads that I get. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, what's your greatest commodity outside of capital? Outside of what? Capital outside of money. Oh, Uh-oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, uh, you know, I don't, I don't even know how to, to, to answer that. Really. I mean, just like, you know, being creative. I don't know if that's, a, that's the right answer for something like this, but what comes to mind is like the fun part of the business and being creative and innovating and not just getting online and finding somebody that's got a course or something. Those are great. You can learn from those, but there's more fun and just trying to come up with your own stuff. I absolutely love sitting down and thinking, what kind of situation could I end up in that would make me want to sell my house quickly? Mm -hmm. You know, and then find a way to get in front of those people. Right, right. You know, we can think that it's all been done, but I I guarantee you there's ways to do something a little bit differently that only we can come up with if we let ourselves try to come up with something. Yeah, it's almost like uh, re-engineering the motivation factor, you know, cause we always think, well, okay, well somebody divorced, passed away, you know, absentee owner 
bad tenant, but there's other things out there. Um, what is one thing that you can do to be more productive? Leverage uh, automation. Okay, leverage automation. Okay, and then what drives your ambition? Danny, you're starting over, man. What, what drives you to start over? Yeah, that, one, that one's easy. So it's lifestyle. Okay. All right. And that's, that's a, and I'd like to elaborate on that really quick because sure, I think, you know, the first time around it was lifestyle and then it became this like, got to build the business up, scale it, right? Nail it, then scale it. And I became unhappy. Like I became obsessed with scaling and, and then the, the lifestyle and the happiness and all that stuff was some future point. And it's like this time around, it's like, no, no, no. It's, I'm going to have the lifestyle while I do this. Right? Because it is possible. Good. And, and that's, yeah, it's huge. Yeah, because most people, and I'm the same way, I kind of focus on, okay, I got to do this. I got to make it better. You know, I got to tweak it. And in the process, constantly focusing, and I'm thinking about that where, Life is going past, life is going by, and I'm not happy, you know, because I'm trying to figure things out. <laughs> so guys, keep that in mind. Enjoy the journey. I always yeah. say that. And that's one of the reasons why I say that now. Enjoy the journey because, you know, you got to have fun doing this. You have to have fun doing this. Uh, the Joker said it so great. Why so serious? <laughs> you know? <laughs> All right. And what, what's the latest business book? that you've read or real estate book, man, that kind of got you fired up and got you going? Oh man, there's so many of them, but, but what comes to mind right now is profit first. Okay. Profit first. That, that one is a really good book. All right. Well, I will make sure I have all of this information in the show notes. Danny, before we part, man, do you have any last words for our listeners um, any last thing you want to say to invigorate them, inspire them, you know, and, and before you even go to guys, I want you to follow Danny's journey as he's restarting, you know, as a real estate investor. So what can you share with us, you know, to inspire our newbies, you know, to, to stay focused and keep going? Yeah. Yeah. To stay focused. And I think this is an easy one based on what we've talked about today. It's that, yeah, you know, we accept that we all have fear underlying a lot of the stuff that we're doing and it's being okay with having that fear not trying to to ignore it or act like you don't have it embracing it saying yeah it's going to be there but i'm going to do it anyway there you go i'm going to do it anyway i don't care i'm afraid i don't care but i'm going to put that aside i'm going to put my phone number out there on billboards and on on bandit signs and have people call me i'm going to fumble through those calls i don't care i mean i do care but I'm just prepared to make the mistakes and then you know, hopefully I can laugh about them and I will eventually, but do it anyway. Be afraid, do it anyway. Cause it's practice, you know, just like we said, it's practice. So Danny, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for being with us, man. Um, I will make sure I have all of this information in the show notes for you. You gave us some great things about lifestyle, about, you know, facing our fears, going through adversity, restarting, you know. Um, so I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And we will definitely talk and share more about Flip Pilot. Awesome, man. All right. Thank you. All right, guys, here in the conclusion, we just spoke with Danny Johnson. Danny gave us 
some interesting information. I want to thank Danny again for coming on the show. Um, seasoned investor, definitely uh, seasoned. And he's starting over. So you guys were in on a cutting edge conversation of a real estate investor that had much success, very, very hype of success in the real estate industry that's now transitioning and starting over. So you can follow what he's doing and how he's starting over and implement some of the things that he's doing in your own business. So again, that was Danny Johnson uh, with flippilot.com, uh, real estate investor, fix and flipper since 2003 out of San Antonio, Texas. So guys, if you're in San Antonio, Texas, and you want to reach out to Danny, all of that information is in the show notes. Um, again, remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.